Good afternoon, everybody. It is Thursday afternoon, and it is now time for Inside the Eye Live Prime Time. Hey, Fetch. Hey, Fetch. Quiet, quiet. Go ahead. She's she's asking a question. Don't be rude. Don't be rude. Hey, Fetch. Did that woman really say you have garnets of steel and a mind like a freaking laser? Mary, you can't be asking questions like that. This is Inside the Guy Live Prime Time. Why not? Aren't we broadcasting from the Middle East? Well, yeah, but we might be seen as being politically incorrect. You know, the problem is everybody dumps people when there's a, like a sign of a political incorrectness. Hey, Chan, you're always politically correct. Heck, thanks. Does, does that mean we can talk about dumping the Israelis tomorrow? Oh, I'm sure you will probably say quite a bit more than that. And now coming to you live from somewhere in the Middle East, this is Inside the Eye Live Primetime with your host, The Fetch. All right. Thank you very much for that, Mary. From Tabuk in the northwestern region of Saudi Arabia, this is The Fetch. And indeed, you are listening to Inside the Eye Live prime time that is and a good thursday afternoon early evening to all of you listening in the united states and canada and a good late evening to early friday morning to all of you listening in european and asian time zones and of course wherever you are listening out there on the world wide web or our fm and micro fm broadcasting outlets may all be well with you and yours it's really good to be back with you on a thursday evening primetime show as i believe we haven't done a show here on primetime thursday for over a month now as my move from Jordan to the Philippines involved a few travel days in that stretch and, of course, a really difficult time uh, difference, to say the least. Uh, this show's 6 in the morning uh, over in the Philippines and, of course, a very difficult Internet environment, and that made doing the primetime show basically an impossibility. So before we get too far into today's show, and we have a good show lined up for you today as as a very a longtime favorite, really, uh, Zizoro. He comes from Warsaw. He's a political analyst, has his own blog, zizoro.blogspot.com. He's kind of a popular guy out of Poland. He's going to be joining us in the second hour. I know he's been requested for a long time. He's set to be here. He said he'll be here, so I'm sure he'll be here, but we'll see about that. That's going to come up at 7 o'clock Eastern here, so be, want to be, I'm sure you'll want to hear that for a lot of you that are fans of Zizoro. Now, I'd like to thank uh, a lot of the hosts that actually filled in for me on the Inside the Ally primetime show. Erica from The Harsh Reality, Frederick Blackburn from Blackburn Nine's Breakfast Club, Paul English from Eurofolk Radio fame and longtime friend, financial backer, technical supporter, and a longtime media professional, Woody. All of these people filled in during the month of August. I know we missed one show. I'm not sure what which Thursday that was, but I think uh, the twenty the the third. Anyways, we missed a show last month. Just one went silent, so we had a pretty good run there. Thanks to all of you guys and gal for filling in and keeping inside the I Live Prime Time live because that's what you got in the audience want to hear. <laughs> Now, the weather here in Tabuk was a hot but relatively comfortable day. It only got up to 96 degrees today under hazy skies and a breeze that picked up towards the afternoon. The evening has cooled off rather nicely, however, as temperatures have fallen below 80 degrees with the current temperature resting at 78 degrees on the way down to a rather cool, at least by Saudi 
the Arabia terms 69 degrees in the hour before sunrise. So it's going to be a nice, fresh morning here. Now, for all of you that did not catch this past Saturday's Inside the Eye Live show, uh, we were live this past Saturday. We gave a little rundown on Tabuk. We'll, re- we'll run through a little bit more today. Now, Tabuk is the regional capital. It has a population of 534,000 and is reasonably close to the Jordanian border at around 300 kilometers or about 180, excuse me, 180 or so miles from the Jordanian border. The city is on the main route for those in the Levant, that would be Syria, Jordan mainly, and some Iraqis who make their pilgrimage. Oh, that would be Lebanon too, by the way. But, but make their pilgrimage on the way down to Mecca for the Hajj and Umrah pilgrimages. And so basically these people drive through this city. <laughs> Now, the city boasts the largest Air Force base in Saudi Arabia, and it is strategically placed here really to serve as Saudi Arabia's forward base, uh, really to protect Saudi Arabia from any Israeli adventures. So essentially it would be checking Israeli operations. Uh, Tabuk sits about 2,000 feet in the air. It's the same as Riyadh. And the history of this area stretches all the way back to the Roman times when the area was actually a summer resort for the Roman Empire. Now, there's a castle here. It's known as Tabuk Castle. It dates back to an estimated 3500 B.C. And there's it's really kind of like an ar- archaeological area. One of these areas is known as Al-Bidah which is one of the world's most visited archaeological sites. You don't hear about it much in the West, but it's a highly sought after archaeological site for visitors. Now, the train station here, it's kind of cute. It dates back to the Ottoman Empire, and Tabuk is famous within Islamic history as being a place where the Battle of Tabuk took place, which if you read Islamic sources, it's actually a battle that actually never happened as there were no opposing forces in Tabuk within which to engage, but it's called the Battle of Tabuk anyways. It's kind of a famous thing within Islamic history. Uh, the big thing here is that, oh, everybody was so afraid, everybody ran away and because they were afraid of, of what was coming. But anyways, it's called the Battle of Tabuk, and it never really happened. So welcome, everyone. And again, we are coming to you live from Tabuk, and that is in the northwestern region of Saudi Arabia. Now, back in the United States, as most of you know well, Hurricane Dorian essentially has now come, scraped the edge of South Carolina, at least the South Carolina coastline, and is expected to move up the coast and slowly peter out somewhere now over or past Nova Scotia and Canada. At 2 o'clock this afternoon, the storm was located about 60 miles south of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and 115 miles south southwest of Wilmington, North Carolina. And the eye of the eye was just offshore of Cape Romaine, and that was at 2 p.m. Now, as of 5 p.m., Dorian's Eye was 45 miles southeast of Myrtle Beach and is expected to pass near or over North Carolina's coast this tonight or tomorrow. The storm's maximum sustained winds right now are about 105 miles per hour. It's left some 240,000 people without power in South Carolina, according to reports. North Carolina reported over 10,000 power outages, and Georgia had over 7,000. Plus, there were about 150,000, I believe, in Florida. Now, the United 
anyways, that's that's Dorian. All right. Good to be with you. Uh, first of all, let me get over to the chat room, everybody, insidetheilive.com. Let me try to get there now, insidetheilive.com. I'm heading there now, everybody, uh, if I can get this thing to, to queue correctly, insidetheilive.com. Click on the live chat button, or you can go forward slash live underscore chat. I'm now officially there. We've got very good internet here in uh, Tabuk. So I am there. I see uh, it's it's uh, slow, uh, but uh, I see a Merkel stand, Blau Ocean, Blackbird, uh, Fritz. Fritz, I haven't seen you in a while. And we did ban someone, Ermansal, last week. We're going to try to actually get him reinstated. Haven't done that yet. Salman MG, hello, Windmiller, everybody, welcome. Uh, we're going to get Ermansal. He's that's. I don't know what happened with you guys last week in the chat room, but I was informed of some things. Guys, you got to be on your best behavior. Try not to get upset with everybody. Uh, thank you, Blackbird, for that. Blackbird9, he's in North Carolina. I don't know how the hurricane is where he is. I assume he's okay. He's kind of up in the Appalachian Mountains, so I assume that Blackbird's actually pretty well okay. It might get a little rainy, uh, some wind and stuff, but I would assume he's okay. He's, he's inland a, a little bit. Same with me in the Philippines, by the way. Uh, it can flood where I live, actually. I'm not in a flood-free zone. It can flood, but basically what we do in that part of the world is, is houses are built on about two feet above the ground so that, you know, if it floods, no problem. You've got about two feet worth of uh, water that you can absorb before it's actually going to get into your house. So that's kind of what's happening. Uh, a lot of people that live in flood areas, they just, for whatever reason, they don't build their houses tall enough, I guess. But in the Philippines, you'll actually see a lot of houses built on some type of stilts in order to prevent those houses from flooding from the, the typhoons and that will hit that part of the world. So uh, we don't really do that in the United States. We just let the floods come in and everything gets flooded out. Uh, interesting story I saw today. It's kind of sound silly, but it shows you how desperate in some respect uh, our Jewish foreign policy is. And when I say our Jewish foreign policy, that's exactly what I mean. Because, you know, for whatever reason, the Jewish elites inside of America, obviously at the behest of Netanyahu and others, they have it in for Iran. Now, I don't know how much is theater, how much of it is real. But and it's embarrassing, quite frankly, to listen to what the United States is doing. What they're doing right now, the United States is so desperate, at least these people running our foreign policy, they're so desperate to sanction Iran that they are now offering cash rewards to captains of Iranian tankers. Literally, they are offering money to Iranian tankers, the captains, to, to basically divert their ships and let the Americans have the ships. How embarrassing is that, really, when you think about it on the global scale? Now, according to a particular report, the Indian captain of the Adrian Darya One, that was formerly known as the Grace One, it received an email, and this has all been confirmed, man. They, he received an email from U.S. Special Representative for Iran, Brian Hook, in which he was offered several million dollars if he steered the Iranian vessel toward a country that would seize it on behalf of Washington. That, folks, is how sad and pathetic 
America's foreign policy has become to where they are basically trying to bribe captains of other nations, at least the shipping, the, the captains who are operating the shipping assets of other nations to steer these assets to a place where the Americans can basically steal the assets. Now, I don't know if you've heard, but in America, American police, based on the way the laws work in America now, American police actually steal more assets than criminal elements combined inside of America. So when you look at this way that we run this Jewish type type of legal system, you have a country that is sanctioning another country. And that's okay if you want to sanction, but you know what? It's not up to American foreign policy people, quite frankly, to tell other countries who they can and can't trade with. It just is a really sad affair when we see this type of Jewish behavior coming from the United States. Look, you can achieve so much more, but no, you've got to serve the Israeli government. What a bunch of pathetic morons, quite frankly. I'm almost embarrassed here. Listen to this. This is the letter that the captain of the Iranian tanker received. And this is coming from the United States government. Quoting here, with this money, you can have any life you wish and be well off in old age. That's Hook writing this letter. What an embarrassment, dude. And he goes on to say here, if you choose not to take this easy path, life will be much harder for you. Hook warned in the message. Now, why are you, why is a U.S. government official with the State Department threatening a poor Indian tanker guy that's just trying to earn an honest living for himself and his family by doing his job? Now, according to Hook, and again, Hook is a, uh, uh, representative. He is the actual U.S. special representative for Iran. The offer was part of a U.S. State Department Rewards for Justice program established in 1984 in which the U.S. Secretary of State is authorized to pay and offer and pay cash rewards to persons with counterterror information. Now, unfortunately, America quite frankly, as most of our military men and women know who have actually been deployed into the Middle East and elsewhere. If you go down to Djibouti and some of these other areas down in Africa, most of our American, most, not all, but most of our American military men and women that have deployed, especially those who have gone into combat, will tell you clearly that the real terrorists here is America and American foreign policy. And that's coming from our U.S. military veterans, those who have had to deal with the fact that they're invading another country, they're shooting up the families of another country, they're destroying other people's lives, all on behalf of a foreign occupying force known as the Israelis, known as Jews, essentially. And I don't know why, Quite frankly, the, well, I guess I do know why. Money buys whatever you want, right? And Jews print our money. But it's just a sad state of affairs, really, to see the American government trying to bribe captains of tankers to get hold of assets. Now, going on here, the majority of reward offers are up to $5 million. 
However, all reward payments are made at the sole discretion of the Secretary of State. So basically, Mr. Mr. Hook can make the offer to this captain, but once they capture the ship, there's no guarantee that that captain would have actually gotten paid. Now, according to a State Department spokesman, uh, we have seen the Financial Times article and can confirm that the details of this story are accurate. Wow. There you go. The Adrian Daria one was ordered released, uh, if you recall, back on August 15th. It was seized temporarily by the British. It was held at Gibraltar and was last registered off the coast of Lebanon and Syria on Monday. It did turn off its transponder. A day later, it appeared again to trans... Anyways, it was it turned off. The vessel was detained by British Royal Marine Commandos. Basically, it was it was hijacked on the open ocean. As part of Washington's maximum pressure campaign, Hook told Al Arabiya, which is a Saudi newspaper or media outlet, uh, in a previous interview, that imposed oil sanctions on Iran alone will deny the regime fifty. Well, deny the Iranian government. I hate the word regime from the U.S. government. We almost have a regime. Uh, $50 billion in revenue annually, adding that the pressure is going to continue. Again, what the American government is saying is that they're at war with the Iranians. And they would love it to go hot because that's what the Jews want inside of America and inside of Israel. They want this thing to go hot. Now, yesterday, the U.S. sanctioned and quote-unquote oil for terror, which is nothing but a Jewish term. It's idiotic. But nonetheless, it sanctioned an oil for terror network of firms, ships, and individuals allegedly, it's allegedly, it's not even proven, by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps that supplied Syria with oil worth hundreds of millions of dollars in breach of U.S. sanctions. But really, when you think about it, everybody, who are we as Americans to be uh, sanctioning anybody in this type of regard? It just seems one of the most silly things I have read in a while, and it's embarrassing. (laughs) The U.S. is offering money to basically steal tankers on the open ocean. How pathetic is that? You know, to those who have uh, been following the United States and the the wall debate, uh, the Pentagon has now looking like it's starting to have a little movement here. They're diverting $3.6 billion from military construction to fund 175 miles of border fencing. It's going to defund now a planned It's going to defund projects in 23 states, uh, three U.S. territories, and at least 20 other countries. Uh, That is according to the U.S. Defense Department. Yesterday, I I understand that, like, building in Europe has virtually stopped because they're starting to set up to to divert these funds to the United States to start build some of this wall. Now, the Pentagon believes... That Congress will later provide another $3.6 billion for what is now 127 total planned construction projects worldwide that are having the funding now diverted to build portions of the wall in Texas, Arizona, and California. And again, this is part of Trump's February National Emergency Proclamation, which we covered some time uh, back when that happened with you know, I don't know which day in February it was, but we covered that. Meanwhile, lawmakers in impacted states are expressing dismay at the decision. Um, 
Secretary, Defense Secretary Mark Esper has approved all this on Tuesday, and it comes months after Congress provided the Trump administration with a paltry $1.375 billion for a wall or security environment that was approved by the United States Congress back in 2006, and is quite frankly, it has been the duty of succeeding uh, congressional uh I don't know what you call it, congressional uh, meetings. I don't know, congressional years. I don't know what you even call those things. I gotta get my, gotta get my lib- my dictionary out. But anyways, they should have funded this years and years over a decade ago. Now, locations hit hardest are going to be Puerto Rico, which I could care less about, quite frankly. It's off some four hundred million worth of projects that are going to be defunded. And New York, which is good, it saw $160 million in planned projects at the Army's U.S. Military Academy at West Point. Uh, it's basically a parking facility and an engineering center is going to be defunded. That's an expensive parking lot. Uh, Virginia and North Carolina also saw pretty large cuts. Virginia saw $90 million for four projects, and that included a cyber operations facility at Joint Base Langley-Eustis, uh, North Carolina saw about $80 million uh, for projects defunded, including a battalion complex at the Marine Corps uh, Camp Lejeune, which is a fairly, as you know, in North Carolina, you guys know that's a huge base. In Alaska, Pentagon officials diverted more than $60 million of planned construction projects, including $8 million for a planned extension at Fort Greeley's Missile Field Number 1, which is a key component of U.S. missile defense capabilities. The list of defunded projects also includes upgrades to nine Defense Department schools, including one at Fort Campbell in Kentucky, three in Germany, two in Japan, and one in the U.K. Um, Of course, Democratic lawmakers are throwing up a huge uproar about this. They're indignant about all of this. Representative Anthony Brown, Democrat Maryland, said Trump was stealing military construction funds. Listen, Mr. Anthony Brown, do your job. You guys are supposed to fund this thing years ago. You know that we have a problem at the southern border, and absolutely you are doing nothing because as many people come in, you find ways to let them vote, and that destroys all of us who are Americans at least for our futures. Now, the fact that the government sat on these emergency funds for seven months further confirms that this is nothing but an unlawful power grab, said Dror Laden, a staff attorney with the ACLU, as if somehow the ACLU is a rational organization. Uh, Representative Mac Thornberry of Texas supports the decision. He urged other members of Congress to support backfilling the diverted $3.6 billion. And again, as Thornberry said, we continue to face a very real crisis at the southern border. And Thornberry is a ranking Republican on the House Armed Services Committee. So he is somebody that actually has the ability to at least redirect funding if necessary. Senator Martha McSally of Arizona expressed support for the movement of funds, though she also said she had lobbied the Pentagon to ensure Arizona military construction projects would not be delayed by the transfer, and only one Arizona project got defunded. So everybody, it looks like we have at least some movement, and that it probably is a good campaign thing for Trump. 
as he moves forward. Now, a lot of us still aren't happy with him, but anything that is done to secure the borders would be a good thing for everybody in America. And, of course, other countries would never tolerate what America tolerates. Going into a break, everybody. It's the Fetch Inside the Eye Live. It's uh, September the 5th, 2019. Back with more right after this. All right, everybody. Okay, I think we're back. There we go. Uh, we're back. It's the Fetch Inside the Eye Live. Primetime, Thursday, September the 5th, uh, 2019. A good Thursday afternoon, all of you, to, in the United States and Canada, anyways. And a good late, late evening to early Friday morning to all of you listening in European and Asian time zones. Local time here is 1.34 in the morning. So uh, if you'd like, join us in the chat room, inside the iLive.com. That's inside the iLive.com. Click on the live chat button and that will get you in the door there. And telephone lines, if you'd like to call in, we do have a guest plan for our, the seven o'clock hour Eastern time, the second hour. That would be Cesaro from Cesaro.blogspot.com. Uh, he's due to come from Warsaw in Poland. And we have Joe Atwill. Uh, is scheduled to be coming in Saturday. And then we've, hold on a second there. That was, I got to learn to turn that thing down. Um, uh, hi, Frank. Welcome to Inside the Eye Live. Prime time, that is. Hi, Dennis. All you had to do, all you had to do was, uh, <clears throat> you know, put out the uh, word to call in. I had there to call in. Thank Sorry, you, man. Audience. No I know, I, I, I know I'm interrupting <laughs> things, but, uh, well, I had a couple of things real quick, sure. uh, and I'll get out of the way. Uh, first of all, I wanted to put in, uh, or second of all, before I forget, I wanted to put in a request to see if you could have this guy on as a guest. Uh, I, I, I've heard, I'll be honest with you, I follow you around wherever you go, and I don't always listen to a lot of other people on the, these networks, uh, but uh, I know you've been with Revolution Radio for a long time now, but uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't listen to Revolution Radio that much. Um, I have just randomly, you know, listened into shows at different times during the week. Uh, and I'll, to be honest with you, a lot of it's just not my cup of tea. Uh, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but, um, there's this one guy that really interests me because of his background. Uh, he's, he's very, very intelligent. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's probably more intelligent than I am. Uh, he's he just, uh, you can just tell this guy's really sharp. I don't, always agree with him and, and some of the things he says kind of really irritates me a little bit but um his name is bruce mcdonald i guess that's his real name i don't know but uh i wrote it down and made a note of it and he's a fellow host here on revolution radio i really? believe even me and okay i don't know when his show even is and i'm not on the internet but i'm sure you probably have people in the chat room who know who he is um but i've heard him randomly like on a round table or something uh, when I couldn't sleep in the middle of the night. Anyway, the guy, the guy's definitely Jewish and he has a background. I believe he was raised Catholic and he turned away from all that. And, uh, he, he's a very interesting thinking, uh, very intelligent person. And apparently he was able to, uh, he, he was sort of befriended by the Jews and, um, they found him interesting. Uh, I guess the way he thought was unusual to him and to them. And he, they, I guess they were impressed by his intelligence. But uh, anyway, he reveals quite a lot about his time with the Jews. He's very Jew-wise. 
so I think he'd make a, a really interesting guest. Um, hmm. I don't know when his show broadcast is on Revolution. Well, we have the schedule. He does have a broadcast. We have the schedule, so that's not a problem to track him down. Okay. Um, that would be interesting. Also, this thing with Trump, the funding, I, I think this, to me, is nothing more than an indicator that he does plan to run again, and he's got to have something to show and that, you know, that, 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 that box that he did something with the border. I think this is all just politically motivated, but it's an indicator to me that he's running again and maybe, uh, maybe he wants to win. Well, of course, you, I, I can't imagine he doesn't. Him that, I can't imagine. Come on. I, would you do something and want to fail? I, I know I wouldn't do that, but. Yeah, I think, you know, 123 projects, that's a lot of, that's a lot of projects being defunded, man, when you think about it. I'm sure they had to take a really thorough review of the money and what's going on and what they could actually cut. And I think that's what they came up with. And it's not bad. It's 3.8 billion. Well, I just see it as, you know, the, the, the controlling interests are getting a lot done under the guise of the Trump presidency. And he's being blamed for so much. He's being, you know, basically categorized as a white supremacist and all this when he's he's nothing of the kind. He's not even a white nationalist. He's not even a Republican. He's not even a conservative. And and for them to be able to blame him and put all those labels on him while at the same time having him do uh, or, or acquiesce to all the things that they're doing, I, I think a lot of the uh, top-level Jews, uh, you know, the, the ones that are really – uh, in the controlling positions are probably like, yeah, you know, we, we can get a lot more mileage out of this guy um, if that's the case. But anyway, I will get out of your way. Okay, thanks, Frank. Good points. Good Thank things. you. All right. That's Frank, everybody in North Carolina. Telephone lines are one three two three two seven five one three one four. We would like to say it is this sponsored and supported radio. Um, if you do like this show and only this show, and some people – I know you like this show and a few others, at least. Um, it relies upon your donations, your support of the network, at least for the bandwidth here. And so we have something like 80-plus hosts here. If we just – we can't provide nothing, if you know what I mean. We should provide our time slot at least to keep this thing going. So, guys, get your get your wallets out. Support the network. I don't care if it's 5 bucks a month. It doesn't matter. 5 bucks a month times 100 people. That's really <laughs> – excuse me. That's really a lot of uh, uh, money that would come in for just this show, and that would go a long ways to solidifying the station equally so I have a place to work. Obviously, we still keep coming, guys, even after that even after that disastrous August we had that doesn't have so much to do with the studio. That had to do with our network in the Philippines, which will have to actually be engineered to be solid enough to actually run a show like we like to run here. So it takes money, everybody. It's not free. Uh, obviously, thanks for all your support that I received over the last month or so. Uh, we have drained quite a lot of our funds. Uh, we're still okay, but we are, sh we're, we're probably about two, three hundred dollars short now, but we're okay. You know what I mean? We're okay, but thanks so much due to all your support. We got everything done that we wanted to get done, including the cats. That was a major issue, uh, to get the cats out of there, of course. So we want to thank everybody for all their support, but also if you can, do support the studio. I mean, it's very important that we do have a, a place within which to operate. 
And if we don't have a place to operate again, it's just not going to work very well. So do what you can. And, of course, this is a, a commercially somewhat commercially sponsored here because we have two things, the ITEL Cat Report and the OIVE Moment, and it's now time for the ITEL Cat Report. Climb up the world, wake up, get off the Hope's train, the Hope's train, the first stop. What do you think? I should add a lady co-host to this? It's not. Like you've got someone you can base on. Be careful to use lady co-host. <laughs> What I need to do, I need to fly to Cornwall. (laughs) (laughs) I can't send pitching to the bog. Just put a big air fence here. You and I ought to do a show together, the Graham Fletcher show. Relax. Change it from fetch, because I don't want to overshadow you. So if I go to a fetch, it's like, who's fetch you? Wake up, get off the Oaks train, the Oaks train. The next stop is reading a diary. Is this live? I should be guessing this. I'm not listening back to this part, you know. Maybe, maybe Grizzly is going to cut this part out. I know the Anyway, yes. Because it's time for the ITEL Primetime Cat Report, sponsored by Graham Hart and the Graham Hart Show with Breiser, which streams live every Monday on Cornwall Revolution Radio at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern, and by Graham Hart's song. Train where a little historical humor triggers the hoaxsters and anti semi hunters alike. To listen to the Graham Hart Show, visit grism.blogspot.com before showtime for all the listen live and chapter. And this week's Ito Cat Report is kind of a fun story. You know, we got all the cats over in the Philippines. Uh, Spikers yesterday went frog hunting. That's right. He went frog hunting and he managed to catch a frog. He picked that frog up and he took it all the way into the upper upper house where we are staying there in the Philippines. And what he did is he called the other two cats, meaning Ming Ming and Pressy. And basically it was a cat frog fest for about two hours till the frog finally expired and again this morning he caught another frog so apparently spikers has taken a liking to frogs which is kind of cool now what's happened is it's kind of hot in the philippines it's hot here but we have air conditioning so whenever emily goes down to the lower part of the house that's when the cats join. They are like, they don't want to be left alone. So whenever somebody is downstairs, they go on downstairs, but they've been really well adjusted, at least the cats, that is. And it's been really good to see. Ming Ming is doing great. Ming Ming has taken a liking to basically everybody. This is what we call a family compound. It's basically a fairly decent size of land where they built a ton of house, little tiny houses on it. Really, it's kind of like a block house. And so all the family members live there. And Ming Ming has just taken a liking to everybody. He just, she just goes around, visits all the houses, gets petted, gets gets 
hugged and fed or whatever the case may be. So Ming Ming's doing great. Pressy is kind of cool too. Everybody, I'll tell you what, guys, the, the cats have really done a great job when it comes to um, adjusting to the new environment. Myself, I don't worry so much anymore. You know, Jordan was a really harsh environment. The people there really hated cats, quite frankly. And so I always worried whenever the cats went outside. As you know, we lost one eye uh, over the, the spring, really late winter, spring. Bruiser, of course, we think had the heart attack. So we lost the two. We got the three. We got them all out. And it's now frog hunting season time, apparently. We had a lot of rain this week, so the cats were inside a lot. But they they really have liked the frogs. So that's kind of it. I mean, not a whole lot to say. That is kind of the ITL Cat Report. It's a short one today. But, again, it's proudly sponsored by Graham Hart and the Graham Hart Show by Bryzer. You can catch that show every Monday at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern at grism.blogspot.com. And this past week's guest, they had the Augster and John Kaminsky, I believe. So that should be a pretty good show. So check that out. You can check it out at grism.blogspot.com. <laughs> Man, uh, you'll see it on the sidebar, quite frankly. You'll see those shows typically on the sidebar. And I think it's the number two show and number one show. And I'm number four right now behind Fetzer. Fetzer's baiting me right now this past week. But nonetheless, check it out again Monday. Uh, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern. That's Monday at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern uh, at grism.blogspot.com. And I think now it's time for... Oi, vey! Oi, Gavalt! It's like another shower! Oi, vey! Oi, vey! Oi, vey, everybody! Run by Jews. They don't like Jews. Very goddamn angry at some of the Jews. I thrive on boy and tears. Oy vey! Oy vey, everybody! The Oy moment is proudly sponsored by Andrew Carrington Hitchcock, author of The Synagogue of Satan, updated, expanded, and uncensored. The Synagogue of Satan, updated, expanded, and uncensored, features a rapturous 144,000 words that is replete with additional articles never before seen in print. And, after having its distribution banned by Amazon and Lulu, the Synagogue of Satan, updated, expanded, and uncensored, is now available from Andy himself at andrewcarringtonhitchcock.com. Get your copy today, won't you? Of course... Don't forget to listen to Andy's The Andrew Carrington Hitchcock Show, which streams Monday through Friday at 10 o'clock a.m. to 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern on Eurofolk Radio at eurofolkradio.com. To listen, simply visit eurofolkradio.com during showtime and click on the Listen Live link or visit andrewcarringtonhitchcock.com for Andy's free show archives, which comprises one of the most extensive guest lists in the alternative media. And this week's OAV moment is going to, I think, start. Hmm. I didn't see a whole lot out there, actually. That was really good. I'm going to try to find one more quick story here. But we can, I guess, start at, uh, actually, the problem is the good stories, they're all blacklisted here. I can't get to them. 
that's just the way it works. You know, Saudi Arabia doesn't have a, they have good internet, but they have internet bans. They have censorship. Unlike the Philippines, which is pretty wide open, but they just don't give you any internet to work with. Uh, let's see. Let's go first to this story here. There's a, there's 80 Jewish and pro-Israel groups. Can you imagine 80 Jewish and pro-Israel groups? How many of you out there can name 80 white and pro-European groups? Think about that for a second. How many of you can name 80, you know, white or European, Caucasian, ethnic-centric groups and pro-European groups or even how many of you can name 80? But that's how many signed and sent a letter this past Tuesday to the Chancellor and General Counsel of California State University, I believe at Fresno, about a particular professor's continued use of the school's name to spread anti-Semitism and false propaganda about the state of Israel. Well, the very term false propaganda against the state of Israel is nothing but a Jewish talking point. It's basically anybody using that term is mouthing talking points from the Israeli government. Consequently, we should see anybody using the term spread anti-Semitism or false propaganda as essentially being non-American Jewish agents operating on U.S. soil which makes them anti-American by default because you cannot be pro-Jewish and American at the same time where I come from. Now, obviously, some of you may disagree with that, but that's just how I see it. Now, there is something known as the AMCHA Coordinated Letter, whatever that stands for, right? It drew attention to a single post. That's right, a single post on the Facebook page of the Arab and Muslim Ethnicities and Diasporas program, known as AMED, in the College of Ethnic Studies at San Francisco State University, part of the CSU system. Now, the posting asked readers to donate funds for the AMED director, Rabab Abdelhadi's personal lawsuit against SFSU and to fight, quote-unquote, the Israeli lobby. Now, I don't know. Uh, I think fighting the Israeli lobby is quite, quite honorable. I'm, I don't need to see Arabs doing it for us. I want to see more Western people doing it. I want to see more traditional America doing it. I'm tired of always reading stories about how it's Ilhan Omer or others who are doing it, but none of them seem to be from quote-unquote white America. Now, there's something here that says a similar letter was sent more than a month ago about Abdahadi's post on the same Facebook page that says Zionism equals racism. Well, yeah, it does, quite frankly, under the same conditions. Look, if we in the European community, uh, at least European diaspora community, speak in the same manner that Jews speak, uh, or Zionists speak, if you want to use that term, they will rapidly announce us and denounce us as being quote-unquote racist so the fact that jews say this okay fine what's good for the goose is good for the gander what jews wanted to say is what's good for the goose is good for the goose and you're the gander go screw you they don't want you to have the same rights that jews have and quite frankly that doesn't work it doesn't work that's just dumb really and we should call it out for what it is it's dumb push back against it in this particular 
uh, complaint by Jewish groups, 80 of them, no doubt. They were calling on SFSU. It's against the law for using the SFSU name to disseminate politically motivated and hate-filled messages. Well, I'm not sure that fighting the that the Israeli block is, quote-unquote, something that we should be bothering with. And again, once you get into this term of hate-filled messages, it's the same weaponized crap words that Jews use. And consequently, every every one of these 80 groups, every signatory to that should themselves be put on a list. That's as far as I'm concerned. See, it's time in a way to start drawing up lists because Jews are drawing up lists. This is just another person they've drawn up a list about. And it's not like we don't see this going on. But guys, from a patriotic point of view, from a protecting your national interest point of view, you cannot have pro-Jewish groups inside your country because Jews are only looking out for Jewish interests, not for the people's not for the national interest. It's only for Jewish interests. And that's something that people really don't grasp. What is good for Jews is good for Jews. It's not necessarily good for everybody else. Because what Jews want is the destruction of everybody else's culture, their values, their ethics, their morals. You just can't accept it over time. You're seeing what's happening to your countries. They're getting torn apart. So essentially, yep, they're all complaining. I'm surprised they didn't call on getting a blacklist or banned. Uh, that would have been more more likely to it. Uh, uh, labor, you know, there's uh, – let me skip that one. Did you guys hear this other thing, Whoopi Goldberg ripping into Deborah Messing this week and Eric McCormick for demanding Trump donor, quote-unquote, blacklist? And when people called it out for what it is, is hey you're trying to blacklist people but that if you think about everybody that is how jews roll they believe they have a right to blacklist anybody and whoopi goldberg had to say she says well we don't have blacklist well actually miss goldberg you do you do have a blacklist it's just not spoken and that's the issue here somebody like a Eric McCormick, they just went public with the fact that you people in Hollywood, uh, the Jewish elites in America, Jewish elites worldwide, essentially are creating and have created for a long time blacklists. That when, anytime you lose your business because, quote unquote, you're an anti-Semite, that's a blacklist. Uh, anytime you lose your job because you said something 15, 20, 30 years ago, uh, that's a blacklist. So don't tell us from the Jewish community that you're not you're not holding blacklists. We see it all the way at the international level where you're sanctioning entire countries to try to get your way all the way down to some poor guy working at some nondescript fast food restaurant where you've tracked down some type of comment that he said, how you guys go get it. Who knows? I mean, it's pathetic that you guys are actually getting this stuff. And of course, we should understand more how Jews get this information. And then what you're going to find is that Jews are really a pathetic, disgusting people that spend half their time or 90% of their time spying on the rest of us, trying to shame us to control us. And, and I don't know how any of us can believe that that's going to be acceptable over time. Goldberg said here, in this country, people can vote for who they want to. That is one of the great rights of this country. You don't have to like it, but we don't go after people because we don't like who they voted for. We don't go after them that way. But actually, yes, you do. Anyways, I think we're going into a break, everybody. Let me check. It sounded like a break there. 
I think I just played that song twice so well. Anyways, it's the Fetch Inside the Eye Live Intelligent. Actually, it's prime time inside the LA. Prime time the Thursday afternoon. So again, all of you listening in the United States and Canada, it's now hour number two. And as promised, we have in the studio a really a longtime favorite here. He first appeared on Inside the Eye Live when we did uh, uh, coverage of the Ukraine takeover, basically the U.S. takeover, shakedown of Ukraine back in 2000, I don't know, 13, 12, long time ago. But he goes by the name of Zizoro, Zizoro.blogspot.com, not as active as he used to be for reasons I guess he can get into. But uh, Zizoro, welcome back to Inside the Eye Live, man. I've been too long. Sir, first of all, I'm going to call you back on the other account and see if we can rage you in that way, all right? So just let's hang up this call, and I'll, I'll call you through the other account. So, guys, we're going to bring Zizoro in through a different channel because that sounded really bad. Not sure what that is, but it sounded very, very bad. Okay, are you there? No, it should work. Oh, uh, now it's much better, yeah. It only happens when I disconnect the server. By accident, I disconnected the server. Anyways, Paul, not, not Paul, Cesaro. Cesaro from uh, uh, Warsaw. Zizoro.blogspot.com. Zizoro, how you been, man? It's been a long time since you were on the show. How are you doing? Somehow, we have new developments here. As you will know, you know your, your vice By the way, your, your, sound is, your sound is coming through very distorted, very choppy here. I'm not getting you clean. Not sure if you want to. I'm not sure why that is. Let's try it again. Uh, your vice president just left Warsaw for London. Okay. I heard you guys were asking for some C-130s and some more missiles. <laughs> Yeah, it is very, uh, very uh, big deal uh, because our president uh, signed a new arrangement for military cooperation with the United States. Uh, we will be building for you guys six new bases here uh, for your drones, for your anti-rockets, for your anti-Putins, and so on. <laughs> It's very, very interesting times indeed. And, and we got new deals over your natural gas. We will buy some 6 billion cubic meters a year plus. We will resell it to Ukraine and Belarusland. Yeah, that's what I heard. They're trying to now wean Ukraine away from Russia. So you're going to be the transit hub for U.S. natural gas going to really the central part of Europe. Exactly. Like we spoke the last time I was on. Yeah. Because it's the hot topic in those times. Uh, and now you see this development coming online. It is... Uh, the whole plan was designed some 15 years ago, and you can find the traces of it uh, in your uh, strategic literature. Uh, the man called Friedman, uh, he got uh, some analytical workshop. It was um, a cover for CIA, basically. 
and then the the, the workshop go uh, away some way. Uh, Basically, Russian hackers, the real hackers, not the the, the Trump ones, uh, attacked the, the, that shop, and it went under because some secret documents went online. And uh, you can surmise uh, the the shop of this guy Friedman uh, knew everything about the, this new project, uh, uh, Intermarium. It means our region between Germany and Russia being reorganized in a new uh, economic and military bloc. And the whole project now looks very well and it uh, is really coming on. Let's first start with something that is of interest to a lot of people that listen to this show and that's the idea of nationalism. What's the state of Polish nationalism right now? It was uh, very uh, well uh, all the way through the communism, and you can bet uh, it is uh, still better now, uh, while we have some wiggling room in our politics. And uh, the new wave of uh, nationalism, as it is called in the liberal uh, circles, means we are anti-immigration. But you must uh, see this new immigration wave is, uh, simply put, uh, organized, well-organized. Uh, on, on. So uh, we are with Salvini. And, uh, please go on. Yeah, I just, you broke up just a second there. You were, you said something, I think you were with Slovenia and a couple other countries. Salvini. Oh, Salvini and Italy. Italy. Yes, Salvini and Italy. We, we are <laughs> with him on this issue. We are with Orban in uh, uh, Magyar. Yeah, Hungary. All the, our countries in our block are, are basically anti-immigration because um, not, not, a, not, not, not as a matter of um, inter-human uh, uh, nature, but as a matter of policy. We want to have our nation, uh, our can- we want our, uh, to re- restore our country. And we don't want to have some millions uh, peoples uh, coming to us and uh, taking our bread. You know, <laughs> that is as it is as simple as that. Because we, we cannot uh, act as a uh, the, the place to come and, and, and live for everyone. The same is for you. You have tremendous uh, wave of immigration on the southern border, and uh, it is political problem. And uh, now it is becoming economical problem for you, because uh, the, the the public services are being overwhelmed everywhere in in, in southern states. In California, it's uh, it's a disaster. 
Yeah, not going to change anytime soon. Uh, yeah, for a lot of people here in America that are nationalists, uh, UK, Western Europe, they really admire what Poland is doing as well as Hungary, what Salvini is doing. And a lot of people say, gee, what is, what's it take to move to Poland? How is the economic uh, environment of Poland right now is uh, with innovation, creativity? You guys have been under a lot of historical stagnation or stifling, really, by external forces. You seem to have gotten a little bit of freedom now in Poland. How is innovation starting to kick in within the Polish people and economy? You see it very well on your own turf, so to say, because we are very active. Uh, we, We got let loose, so to say, and we take that occasion as well as we can. So it's no wonder we can be seen and we are, we are really getting started now. <laughs> you know, I, 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 we discussed privately, I'm actually representing some Polish firms. I find that some of the technology coming out of Poland is world-class, state-of-the-art stuff. And when I look around what the British are offering, what the French, what the Americans, uh, other people around the globe, I'm finding that Poland is actually, Cesaro, some of the leaders right now in some of this next generation uh, technology as far as, uh, I don't know what you want to call it without giving things away too much, but, you know, in the circuitries and radars and things of this nature, you guys are doing a fantastic job with some of what you're doing technology-wise. We got our opportunity, the so-called window of opportunity, and uh, we, we take it. Just as simple as that. And uh, the, the politics and geopolitics plays into it. Because without this, without this program, without this uh, American project, we couldn't have it. That's as simple as that. So for Poland, the American project has been exceptionally beneficial, not just economically, but almost spiritually, as far as reviving the national spirit. Would you agree with that? Uh, In historical perspective, you can say we are great admirers of America, of the Constitution. Uh, and our people are known in your history, Pawaski and the other guy, Kosciuszko and so on. You know these names. We were builders with your revolution. And uh, why? Because we understand that we, we get spirit, freedom. Uh, is it- Zazora, we have a call coming in. I hope it comes through clear enough from the 864 area code. Hi, you're on live with Zazora from Warsaw. Well, hello, Zazora from Warsaw. This is South Carolina. Hi. Yeah, Dennis, just giving you a heads up that the uh, listening line, the calling line has been, is been taken offline. Okay. Well, that'll give a heads up to the audience. What you got here? This is Mike, everybody, South Carolina. Which, what you got for Zazora? Well, I don't know if I have anything. I was kind of curious of what he was getting ready to talk about. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess got to let him talk. That's it. 
I'm just giving you a heads up that we can't listen to anything because we it's, it's offline right now. Uh, okay. Well, I guess I'm sorry to hear that. So we've lost some of our listeners as well through our through our uh, talk line. Yeah. We have a talk line. Okay. Well, thanks for giving us a heads up on that because I had no idea about that. Yeah, we'll keep tuning in and see if it comes. Uh, anyway, uh, carry on. Uh, welcome back. And, uh, um, girl, do the best you can. <laughs> You're on the best you can be on. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. That's that's Mike, everybody. Yeah, Mike's a good admirer of the show. Um, so, there's another issue that we wanted to get into, and that is the relationship between the fraudsters down in Tel Aviv and how your government is handling that. Well, how are you guys treading this quote-unquote anti-Semitism extortion racket relative to Israel? It seems like there's been a lot of a uh, lot of banter back and forth between the two countries. How is Poland handling the Jewish state right now in regards to this Holocaust extortion scheme? It's a very good question. But before <laughs> sir, I... Uh, uh, pose the question to you. How do you think, why uh, did uh, your president, Donald Trump, uh, didn't come to Warsaw, but send his uh, vice president? You know, I, I covered that last week. I was talking about how, you know, he left because he didn't want to go because he didn't, you know, because he wanted to deal with Dory. And I'm like, nah, something else is up. Uh, it might be very much because, uh, he, you know, you people over in Poland aren't paying Israel enough money for all the suffering uh, that, that the Israelis and the Jewish people have had over the years in your country. So he's decided to pull back because you didn't pay. I will give you uh, a few information on that topic. Uh, he uh, didn't fight Dorian. He was playing golf. And you have it in your media. So it's official. Your president playing golf. Uh, second tip on this topic. Uh, a week before uh, this planned visit, there was an article on Washington Post on the first page uh, treating the subject of the, 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 the visit in Poland and historical uh, developments and the recompensation for Jews and so on and so forth. And there was an information official from the administration that the president uh, maybe not, not be coming uh, to Poland and cancel the visit because of the new developments. That was seven uh, days before the planned visit. And uh, two days, uh, two days uh, after this uh, article, he did it. That means cancel the visit. Two weeks before this development, 88 senators uh, wrote open letter to the Secretary of State, yeah, urging him to uh, work on an appointed job, just act, justice of, for uncompensated survivors act of 
2017, uh, Act Number 447. And I, I'm not presuming, I'm not supposing, I'm certain that uh, Donald Trump canceled the visit because of these developments going on uh, behind the curtain uh, in our Ministry of Foreign Affairs and your State Department officials. So, we are now in the clear. There is something going on with this Just Act 447. What exactly is going on? Uh, In two months' time, Pompeo should uh, present some official information on uh, on his work in this field. And uh, the technical details you have in the act. Now, just to fill people in, Zazoro, what this is, is it, it is essentially an act passed by 88 senators, which they're saying 90% of the Senate, which called on basically the United States to work closer with Poland to encourage your country to pass a legislation that essentially gives Jewish citizens property back that Jews claim was confiscated after, quote unquote, the Holocaust. Uh, that's, that's the act you're referring to, correct? Yes, um, but uh, the devil is in details because uh, uh, in our system of law, as well as as in yours, based on Latin law, Roman law system, it is simply inadmissible and unlawful to propose such a legislation. Why? Because it uh, formulates some uh, recompensation for the people that uh, left their property hearless. And hearless property, meaning without descendants, goes as a matter of law, to the country of residence. That is, uh, that way is, it, it is uh, in Poland, the same way in the United States. Therefore, uh, from legal standpoint, the, the whole construct of this legislation is unlawful in the, in the first place. Secondly, the, the legislation is an act of blackmail. It is unlawful in, on international law basis because your government basically blackmails our government in the name of a third entity, I mean Tel Aviv. What is it all about? That is simply not lawful. It is an act of treason and an act of uh, brazen robbery. It's kind of like, the- yeah, in a way, it's kind of like today, you know, the State Department is saying they're trying to bribe uh, tanker tanker pilots, you know, to basically steer the tankers to where the U.S. can seize Iranian tankers. 
You know, it's like it's it's insane. The U.S. government's insane. It's uh, you can say it's a wag the dog situation because I I don't suppose your people in the State Department are so stupid as to come to uh, to this level. I don't suppose so. Some other force, some other mode of thinking must be uh, active here. It is simply, uh, it begs your understanding what is going on now in, in the world. Zazura, we're going into a break. Hang on with that thought. We'll be back more, everybody. It's The Fetch with Zazura from Zazura blogspot.com out of Warsaw and again this is Inside the Life Prime Time back with more right after this alright everybody welcome back it's the Fetch Inside the Eye Live Prime Time and that sounds kind of terrible in the background there uh, Inside the Eye Live Prime Time again it's September the 5th 2000 and what 2019 it is so welcome back everybody uh, our guest Right now in the studio, Zizoro from Zizoro.blogspot.com. Uh, Zizoro, first of all, welcome back. Hi. All right, you're back. And then we were talking about really what is uh, what appears to be kind of like an extortion scheme. That's the way I saw it. When I saw the actions going on between really Israel, uh, your failure to recognize the suffering of the Jewish people and your failure to pay them for all of that suffering, what really is the opinion of the Polish people, and then how does that get translated into government policy? You can get 100% because we know what's going on. And I can quote uh, the exact words of the people. I was in the field buying some products from farmer two days ago and uh, he, seeing me as a, a man from the city uh, asked me what do you think about this deal with Americans and Jews and I said you know what I think the same as you and he said you know they won't let it lose but during the war here in this uh, in these fields in this house there we were helping them there were here literally thousands of Jews living hiding uh, from the Germans why? because they didn't want to go to the Auschwitz and uh, it's through the ghetto. All the Jews were in the ghetto, you know. And it was obligatory. Everybody that helped to hide Jews from this process uh, was to be uh, processed by Gestapo to capital uh, punishment. 
It was the only country in the whole Europe under Hitler that uh, uh, was under such such harsh punishments. That sentence for helping hiding a Jew, not only for the person involved, but for all the household, man, children, and wife. Capital punishment. And thousands of people helped the, the, the Jew. And now they come back after 70 years and want recompensation. From whom? From me? From the farmer? That helped them. And it isn't peanuts. Uh, we have here official estimates from this Holocaust institution from New York. They want from from us 300 billion with B billion dollars or slightly more depending on their... Uh, and what's the population of Poland? 35 million. So what's people. that? I don't even know the math, man. What's that work out to? Like uh, 10 million per person? Um, no, hundred thousand. Oh, it's only hundred thousand. Okay, my I got off by about three zeros, but still a hundred thousand per person, man, woman, and child in Poland. Uh, with our standard of living, it uh, will be certainly new form of enslavement. You can bet on it. Hundred thousand debt on every person. You're a slave. For basically helping them during the war. Now, where I does where does Poli- where do the Polish much. people stand on on the Holocaust? Where do you guys stand on that? Do you, does does people actually believe that these were death camps, or do you support the idea that they were work camps? Where do you guys actually stand on this subject? As a, as a society, where do you guys actually? What's the what's the prevailing view in Poland? We believe officially in gas chambers because it's illegal to pose a question about them. It's illegal. You will be banned as a Holocaust denier, and here uh, you will go uh, to to jail. And in Germany, you will get uh, some other harassment additionally. So So you've already lost a lot of your freedom to even think, and now they want you to pay you for the fact that they took away your freedom to think. You know, it comes in different uh, colors and uh, gradually. You, You can say you can be a little enslaved and a little more, and then come total enslavement. But it comes gradually. It, 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 it's not a... It's, it's not a fast process. It's on, on, in the beginning, it is very, very subtle. You cannot... Uh, Get it. What is happening, really? 
But after some observation, after uh, seeing the process in motion, you get it. Hopefully, it's not too late. You are undergoing the same process in the United States now. You have cultural revolution, Marxist revolution coming full swing on you. We know it. I know it personally. I know communism in, in the real form, you know. And it, it's not pretty sights. And when I see information on, uh, from, from your home country, what is going on there now with the lefties on the, in the streets, with millions of migrants, migrants from Mexico, uh, with uh, new wave of thinking that this, this Ocasio-Cortez character, it is a basket case simply. You people are losing your minds. And it is, it is all done very scientifically. Because I don't suppose you, you are mad. You as a person or your brother or your cousin, cousin. You are being reformed psychologically to adapt to a new situation, to a Marxist way of thinking. Marxist cultural revolution. So, you see, we, we have a very short window of, of opportunity to take a stand and to make a change. If we do nothing, they will roll over us and make us all slaves in some huge world, new world order, ruled from over us by total communists. So at one side of it, you have Poland as a bit of a revivalist uh, revival this mode, I guess you could call revivalist environment, but at the same time, the, the, the veils under which you have escaped from really isn't far from just re-exerting itself, is it? Yeah. That is, uh, that's the historical change. We are reacting the the problems of uh, our recent history, our two generations living under communism. We are now reacting to this process. Therefore, we have power to come roots, our real uh, genetic roots, the, the real history. Our national press are now coming in full swing. And you are getting subdued because your vital vital forces are put on the, on a back burner. 
you are lazy, you are getting lazy. You think, I don't have to do it. And it's fine. We have bread at circuses. We have gasoline at the station. The, the industry is doing well. So, I don't have to worry. That is a problem because you should worry about your future. You should take a stand. You should care about your roots and about your posterity. You should care about it all because it depends on you. You know, it's interesting, Zizar, as you look at some of the nationalist parades you have, uh, there's been talk here in the States, and not that I'm in the States, but I, I try to catch up on what's going on there. Uh, talk about the Polish nationalists declaring war on the LGBT scourge, uh, which is just part to me of this Marxist programming. Is there really a backlash against the L- organized LGBT agenda in Poland? The... I'm talking about the actual the, political agenda that that we see manifesting, like in the in, in the states, and I, yes, I know yes, it's the, everywhere. I know it's in in Poland the, also. The scourge is a, a direct quote from Archbishop Jędraszewski from our uh, church here. Archbishop, very uh, high located person in the church. He said uh, during some of, uh, official ceremonies that uh, this uh, scourge running over Poland has Marxist roots, and we should defend ourselves against it. And that's the real truth about it. You know it, I know it. Mm-hmm. But we know it because when they don't know it, they feel it. They, they see the, the left is pushing this agenda on them. And they don't want it in, in their uh, vicinity. They don't want it in, in the public square. They don't want it in the public school. We have here some lefty president of our capital city, Warsaw, Trzaskowski, Rafał Trzaskowski. And the, the man is pushing the agenda and wanted to have the, the, the new program for schools with LGBT uh, team on board. I mean sexual indoctrination of, of children from five years up. And the people rebelled here. So the program is now officially ended. It won't come to schools in in, in, uh, in this year, and I hope never comes to fruition. You see, the people don't want it. Okay. They are sound-minded because the program is subversive. It is clearly against the, the uh, people's interest to uh, let their the children be indoctrinated LGBT. Five years, six years, seven old years old, being indoctrinated in some 
weird stuff. Yeah, it's this, simply insane. Yeah, it's insane. Now, in this regard, you know, Putin seemed to have been at the forefront when he created his laws that protected his country against this type of agenda. Uh, is this something that you would agree with and that Poland is just following now in the steps that America and everybody else should be taking as long as well as you guys? And as we should follow your, your lead. Mm, I don't suppose we will copy uh, Putin's agenda because he is too out- outspoken, you know. Uh, it will be. It would be labeled in Brussels as hate speech, and anti-democratic, and so on and so forth. We cannot afford it. We cannot afford a new front with uh, of ideological ideological war with Brussels. And you will know Brussels is lefty. Brussels is yeah, communist. So we must measure our forces uh, to the task at hand and cannot uh, make war with everybody. So we take this path very slippery between uh, Scylla and Herbda, so to speak. We know what's going on. But we cannot speak it openly. So, so just like just like uh, just like gas chambers, you just have to pretend to see what you didn't see. Yes, we, the majority of people take it as it is uh, written, and the ones that know what's going on cannot speak up because when you speak up, you will be punished. And in a way, we were discussing a few weeks ago, actually back in August before I made the move, you yourself ended up getting hammered due to your political analysis. Uh, can you share a little bit of that with the listener? The problem has its roots uh, 10 years ago in 2009. It was uh, the famous reset from Obama, you know, Obama with Russia in Moscow. It was the famous reset, and uh, next year, 2010, we have we had here this uh, uh, trage- national tragedy with with uh, President Kaczynski and his plane uh, coming to the ground, and all the passengers uh, were dead, and so on and so forth. It was simply put a uh, regime change in Warsaw. And uh, after four years, we had a revolution, uh, Maidan in Ukraine. And then we have a new regime change in Warsaw, new uh, people coming, nationalists, so to, so to speak, with Kaczynski at the front, the brother of the deceased president. And so... We come, we have come full circle. First move was uh, for Russia, year of influence of of Moscow, four years time, and then came 
tremendous pushback with America help to the other side. And it was all pre-planned, as I see now, because uh, we helped uh, Ukraine Maidan. We were active in the formation of this uh, movement. And uh, I know it from best, from the best sources, the people that uh, that were uh, doing it. And I have it uh, through my uh, contacts, I mean from per- personal experience, when I was checking and rechecking and studying the, the, the tragedy from of 2010, this... Uh, uh, this simply multi alert and we won't uh, know the truth. I am uh, sure of it, but I have clues about it uh, because uh, people that uh, I get in contact with against with him with uh, the people uh, would our counter intelligence simply attacked me personally and I got problems with our communication with my communication my computer got hacked uh, multiple times and so on so on so forth why because I wanted to know the truth about the uh, the, the, the tra- tragedy and I got some information and I published it and uh, the information was very interesting and uh, uh, disquieting so uh, so what it, sound, what it sounds like just to go quickly is that what you really were uncovering was the fact that Polish intelligence was neck deep, as we would say in America, in the overthrow of the Ukrainian government on behalf and with the American government. And you were getting too close to finding out too much. It was deeper than that. Brother of the person that I personally attacked, I I mean, I, I I found his whereabouts and his personality as the man uh, going after me. And I checked him and it uh, turned out he was working for the counterintelligence, Polish counterintelligence. But it it is uh, more interesting. His brother is now high official in this government, this new government of nationalist Kaczynski. Go figure. How is it possible? The man from the the old guard, so to speak, from the, the people that were close to Moscow, coming after me 10 years ago, is a brother of a high official in new government, working closely together with, with Americans now. How is it possible? I don't know. You, you got an answer. Huh? Go ahead. 
There's only one answer. The whole charade is multi-layered. You have multiple players. We have Polish intelligence. You have American intelligence. You have Russian intelligence. You have German intelligence involved. All the parties were involved in the tragedy of 2010. All the parties, the same people were involved in Maidan, in Ukraine. And the same parties are involved in new developments today. That's the whole story. (laughs) The geopolitical situation changes, but the people stay the same. How can they change? They cannot change their job. They are specialists on the job. (laughs) You know, I got my problems, I I checked it and rejected because I communicated only through Tor. You know Tor? Yes. And I had only one window, personal window for communication, email. It was Gmail account. So I'm certain that my personal whereabouts were transmitted to our counterintelligence through Gmail. And and that wouldn't surprise me. And with that, you know, Zazuro, we're actually out of time. We're going to have to come back again this time, not so long, like three, four, five years like this time. (laughs) Okay. All right, we're in touch now. Okay, everybody, I know you've been asked for Cesaro. There you have it. We're going to bring him back again as soon as we hear some neat things coming out of Eastern Europe. Cesaro, thanks so much. We're out of time. It's the Fetch, everybody, inside the iLive primetime again, September 5, 2019. Thanks for listening. See you Saturday inside the iLive. Intelligent media for the politically aware. Joe Atwill will be a guest in the 12 o'clock hour. See you then. Good night. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much.